You're listening to The College Loop, your number one podcast for Auburn sports, talking all things orange and blue every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. On today's installment of The College Loop, it is Brews Day with Brooks. We've got Brooks Walton back on the show as he is every Tuesday to talk some Auburn transfer portal action. We're going to talk men's basketball. Should Auburn be an Under Armour school or a Nike school? Where is that headed? Is there some serious traction? Thanks to Sir Charles Barkley. We're going to talk diamond sports. We've got baseball and softball, both having very different outcomes this past weekend, be it in Tuscaloosa or on the plains of Auburn, Alabama. We've got a ton of content headed your way. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. This is an awesome episode and you're listening to the college loop. Hey, you know what to do. You grow, you know, who's right. 1916. I don't, I never know exactly what those mean, but we're somewhere in that ballpark. It's one o'clock in the afternoon in Auburn, Alabama, and this place was lit. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the College Loop Podcast, episode 50 of the College Loop Podcast, the big 5-0. We are halfway to 100, and guess what? We are well over 100 subscribers, too, so thank you all for that again. And if you like the new layout, uh, we are we've upgraded. We have upgraded from Zoom to StreamYard, so now it looks a little bit better. We don't have to tell you everything that we have uh, it's all right there look at it scrolling across the bottom down there we're that. still definitely going to tell everybody everything we have we're, we still are yes. yes uh but yeah i'm again joined today by harrison tar and daniel luck my co-host and bruce day with brooks brooks walton is here as well how you doing brooks i'm good thanks for having me back again having you back dude it's a pri- it's a privilege and an honor to be to be hanging out with uh with the one and only brooks walton there's nothing quite like bruise days with brooks and and who doesn't love talking ball who doesn't love talking transfer portals maybe me but we're going to talk about it anyways uh, so <laughs> that's uh, that, that's the topic of discussion to today fellas and and let's let's go and jump right into it not not waste too much time auburn has had a slow start in the transfer portal so has everyone but there is a sense of urgency within this fan base about whether or not this team is going to make the kind of splashes that they made in the fall. They're not. I'm not saying that they can't go get guys, but that volume, you're just not going to see that volume again of newcomers. You probably won't see that again under, under a Hugh Freeze tenure just because, in theory, <laughs> you're building an SEC roster. And in theory, you won't need to replicate what you've seen there. I know a lot of people are getting antsy, guys, and, and, and people were talking about Let's play pretend for a second. Where are the most important positions on the field that that everyone's looking at right now? Where are my linebackers? Where are my wide receivers? Yes, guys, we know. We're waiting on the quarterback. We get it. We're waiting on the quarterback, too. It's happening, I'm sure, um, in some capacity or another. Brooks, it's always fun to talk to you because you got to kind of like live this from a different perspective. Obviously, you did not enter the transfer portal. You stayed at Auburn your entire duration there. But I assume you you knew a couple guys or got to watch a couple guys go through that process. Of, of entering the transfer portal. So we're going to start the talk, conversation there. From your experience, it, I don't know how closely you knew anyone that hit the portal, but seeing guys go through that portal process, what are the challenges that come along with that? And and from within, like, how, how do you go about that from within? Yeah, I mean, just like when your teammates enter the portal, it's a weird mix of, you know, you don't want them to leave if they're your buddies, obviously. And, but also, you know, if they are your friend, you want them to do what's best for them. And, you know, uh, some people just, when they go in, 
that's it. And they don't really um, interact with any of the rest of the team anymore. They'll just do their own thing, which, I mean, a lot of the coaches will say that, like, you know, once you hit the portal, there's no more communication. Like, you know, you're, you're done with us. You're moving on. We wish you the best, but go do your thing. Uh, so it's just different because just trying, just trying to navigate and like see these guys who at one point were recruited, all of the people that hit the portal were recruited really hard coming out of high school when you don't know anything about college sports, you don't know anything about what you want to do or what it's really like, you know, everybody just comes in as a freshman and you have all, you hear all these great things about what college football is going to be like during recruiting out of high school. And then you're kind of more of just a seasoned person. Once you hit the portal, when you're in college, like you, you understand what college football means. So like, yeah, this thing is going to be hard. And you also understand that there are players at every level. And you start to notice that really quick, um, especially when you play some of these, um, you know, beginning of the year games against maybe a group of five teams or even like a FCS school, like pretty quick, you'll see guys out on the field that just stand out and you're like, man, these guys, they can come from anywhere. Like, and I know that I'm sure for a bunch of the people that enter the portal, it's like, all right, there are people that, you know, if you, if you believe that you're a starting SEC caliber player, you can say, well, here's another guy that's just as good as me that might not be at this school. Maybe he's using it as a stepping stone or whatever. So just watching the guys try to figure out and go back through the recruiting process, but being more aware of what college football is like, it feels like it's a lot more subdued um, because they're just not like bright eyed 16, 17 year old kids anymore. Sure. Oh, well, yeah. I was going to bring up, was there ever a time where you overheard a coach or uh, got told that a coach tried to push a player into the, to the portal as in like they weren't fitting with the scheme and this would be best for their uh, career. You don't have to name names specifically for their protection, but whatever. I mean, you uh, can if you want, but like I, I mean, wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what I have heard is I, I don't think coaches will necessarily tell a kid. Now, maybe they will, but it's just something I haven't heard of where they're like, hey, you need to hit the portal. But they, you know, kind of coach speak kind of just more in a, in a professional way. They might say it's probably in your best interest to to look into going somewhere else because they might not even mean that in a bad way. But it might just be a genuine thing that like, hey, I'm realizing you're not really fitting in my system. I'm sure you're kind of realizing it some and like we're bringing in kids that will be playing. And I mean, especially if you're a coach that recruited these kids, you have personal relationship relationships with them. And more often than not, you, you do wish the best for them, even if that doesn't necessarily mean that they're with y'all. So that's kind of what you hear is it's, it doesn't really ever feel like it's an explicitly said, like hit the portal, get out of here. Unless, you know, there were to be some sort of incident or, some guys causing problems over and over. But if it's just in terms of somebody's not really meeting the standard or not playing the way that you would expect them to play or just understanding things the way that the coaches would want them to understand it, then more often than not, it turns into like, hey, let's have this mutual discussion. You know, I wish you all the best. It feels like, and I'm sure you're understanding this too, it's feeling like you're not really fitting here. It might be a good idea for you to start looking at other places. I'm not going to tell you to leave, but I'm I'm basically saying you're probably unless something changes really big, you're probably not going to be playing here as much as you want to. 
I mean, that makes perfect sense. It's kind of like one of those breakups where it's not you, it's me situations. And and those are not fun for anybody involved. I'm going to bring you back to Auburn real quick here, Brooks. And I'm going to ask you, analyst Brooks Walton, known football analyst and known ball knower uh, Brooks Walton. I'm going to ask you real quick, what's Auburn's sales pitch for guys in the portal right now? I think it's a little bit different than guys that they're going out and recruit out of, out of high school. But if, if you're Hugh Freeze and company, what's your pitch for guys that you're going to fill these holes? And I know Daniel's going to ask you to expand on, on, on position groups specifically. But what is, what, what is your angle saying, hey, this is why you should come pick Auburn out of all these other potentially Power 5 SEC schools that are offering you to, to relocate to their program? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's all new now. I think probably the biggest one that you have is the, the NIL collective that Auburn has. And I know that that is just such a massive, I don't know all the numbers on it, but I know that we're doing incredibly well, even compared to other SEC and SEC West schools specifically. Like Auburn is doing very, very, very well there. And it's hard to, you know, you can't avoid it. So you might as well lean into it as your recruiting pitch and say, hey, this is where college football is at now. And here's our NIL collective. This is what you can do for us. And in return, this is what we can do for you. Um, that's probably it. But then also, I mean, we have a brand new coach. We have a brand new facility. And we just have, like, we have the, the ability to play two of the best teams every single year. And, I mean, yeah, football players are football players. And they want to beat good teams. And so that's always going to be a recruiting pitch for Auburn. But that's that's not just transfer portal specific, you know, that's, that's what you tell every high school kid that you want to come to Auburn also. I think you also combine that guys with, with instant playing time. I think that's a big sales pitch right now too. If, you, if you're coming in and filling an immediate need, which Daniel's about to kind of, kind of touch base on, I think that's gotta be a pitch. If, if you're a guy in the trenches, Hey, you're going to come get snaps in, in the SEC and you're going to play some of the best teams in the, in the country. And you're going to get meaningful snaps and meaningful tape. I think that's got to be a big part of Freeze and Company's sales pitch. Also, before we get to Daniel, I think that Brooks – I'm just editorializing here. I think Brooks might have just taken a slight little jab at a school that wears powder blue in Mississippi, and I love it. Um, Daniel, go ahead and continue. So, Brooks, obviously, you know, there there are a lot of areas of this roster that could use some work. What um, specific positions do you want to see Alvin kind of try to improve the most through the portal? Yeah, um, I mean, obviously the big one's quarterback. Like, if we can go out there and get an established quarterback, like, that's the easy answer. We need it. We need somebody that has a bunch of experience because we're all young. And we've talked about it, but we don't know if any of the guys there are going to be super, super ready to be an SEC starter. And so we can go out and grab somebody there that's great. Uh, Also, I think uh, skill positions especially – you can, like I said, you can get an absolute stud from anywhere. And that's what you hear from people that even take a step down to FCS or even D2 level. Like you hear that the biggest difference is in alignment and you can, you can get comparable receivers and D backs and running backs pretty much anywhere. So, you know, the portal is just filled with those types of guys and receiving room. Yeah. We could definitely use some people. We just, Tavares Dawson just hit the portal. And so we got to try to fill that we have some injuries. Like I would love to see that too, because that really, you can get a quarterback and a receiver all popping in at the same time. All of a sudden we've really got kind of a new look offense and things could get really exciting pretty quick. I'm going to take it to the other side of the ball here for you real quick, Brooks. And, and I know that you're going to hype your boys up and some of these guys you played with in that linebacker room. There's a lot of people very skeptical of this group. And, and I'll go ahead and tell you right now, I am people. 
and and that's not me really talking down on it, but you've mentioned it several times that you, you lose your, your big guys, your own papos, uh, guys that you knew were going to get meaningful snaps. That's a group that you've got to go improve on, but it's difficult to find, uh, I guess, guys that are good enough to come play immediately. And, and you understand this better than anyone. There's no conference tougher to play in in the SEC, and the linebackers t- tasked with a bunch at the SEC level, especially with with teams that have are deep in the trenches and, and have explosive run games and or, or can can be balanced in terms of airing the ball out and putting it on the ground. How many guys? And I'm 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 just going to go ahead and put words in your mouth and assume you'd like to offer, at least Auburn to get one linebacker. How many linebackers would you feel good about Auburn finding pulling out of this portal? You know, if we could get. Yeah, because we're losing people now. Um, we've had a few guys hit the portal, but if we can get two to three, that'd be crazy good. I don't know if we can really, you know, call it a failure if we don't hit that number because that's a lot of linebackers to try to get. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'd said it before, but even if you pull in guys that might not necessarily get as many reps as you would expect for a guy to from the portal, that's at least another body that's in there that's able to come in and give other people, like, give other people breaks and you have more people pushing whoever the eventual starter is going to be. But yeah, get a couple of guys in the portal. You just, you need to find somebody or two people that will like be the leaders out there and be extremely aggressive. They really know the defense well, and you've got to find that person. And I just, yeah, we, we can totally get somebody like that and bring them in. I don't disagree. I also think that, that Jack linebacker is a position you can improve on as well. Um, where, where you have a guy coming off the edge, formerly known as Ed Rusher. Jack is way cooler, way better name. Um, I'm all here for that. But you have Elijah McAllister, and I don't think Keldrick Fox quite there yet from what we've been told. I think Elijah McAllister can be an SEC. I mean, we know he's an SEC uh, edge rusher. We've seen him do it. I just don't know if he is in Auburn, SEC West edge rusher yet. Still to be seen. But another position I think that uh, would be would serve Auburn well. Dylan, I know you were about to go ahead, so that's all you. I was going to bring the Jack, the Jack uh, well – yeah, you gotta love the new edge rusher position. But I also look at from the fact that I don't think I think Auburn's secretly loaded at that position. I just think they have young guys like Dylan Brooks, who came in a couple years back, who could be ready. But I don't know if they're given the same chance, the same chance that Keldrick Falk has been given to be like an immediate like second stringer. But I look at it from I guess I, I got to figure out a question. Uh, but from when I look at it from that you have two young guys and you're bringing in a guy like Elijah McAllister who has a year left of his eligibility. Why get another edge rusher when you have the sec talent already there and you have two developmental pieces right behind him who and Keldrick Fox is probably going to be one of the best edge rushers we've seen in a hot minute, maybe hopefully uh, just because that's the kind of level of athleticism that he brings to the table and you bring up linebacker. I was going to ask you from what we see, I don't, I don't know how much you've been watching the linebackers, but has there been a linebacker per se that you've been impressed with in the current core that Auburn has right now? Um, I mean, the most that I've seen, you know, is from spring game, and spring game was kind of a little bit hard to tell because, again, I mean, we talked about the weather, but everybody just looked a step slower than you know that they really are. Um, it's, but I think the room is super, super. Um, there's a lot of parity in there, and that's that's good and bad. Um, you know, I haven't seen anybody that really stands out to me as like, hey, this is the next guy. This is going to be the next, you know, potential all-SEC linebacker. And could be wrong. 
we might have somebody in there. We've got, I mean, athletic freaks in that room right now. So it could be anybody. But, yeah, so far in the spring, I haven't seen anybody stand out. I mean, you know, guys like Owen, they they show up on film the very first day that they're on campus, and it's just different. So, uh, yeah, I haven't seen anybody of that kind of next level above everybody else yet. I think that's kind of the part of the problem, guys, where, where, where Auburn fans are looking around and you're seeing a couple of positions where you're not seeing guys that you're like, well, that's he's him. I think you're seeing uh, that, that there's that that large question mark. And then in that linebacker room, we were expecting Demario Tolan to be a little further along than he is right now. I'm not I'm not entirely confident that he's up to where we expected him to be. You can flip over to that wide receiver room. I mean, hell, Tavares Dawson just dipped out. Uh, last week, which not not hating on him, I, I I don't know how he fits in that receiver room either. But there's not really been anyone uh, in large without your 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 givens that you're like, wow, this guy can can really play the slot well, or this guy's going to be the definitive outside wide receiver. We think that may be Nick Martin, but that's neither here nor there. I think that's another one of those positions you're like, well, nobody's really impressed me. I don't know that I've been severely underwhelmed, but there's never been a guy like, yeah, okay, he can go up and high point a ball or. For, for, for linebackers, oh, yeah, that, this guy's reading his gaps correctly every time and, and, and reading the quarterback well. I think that's kind of like how you can identify where you need to go to the portal. If there's not a guy that stands out, the odds that everyone in that room is that damn good are slim. So it's at this level, rather. At the professional level, that's another story. But at, at the collegiate level, the odds that your room's so so loaded that it's, it's just that competitive, not that high. So that I'll, I'll turn this over to Daniel, but I just kind of wanted to throw that in there that that's, I feel like a good way to identify where we were at right now. So Brooks, obviously um, last week, Jeffrey and Ba announced that he was hitting the road. How much of an impact do you think that's going to have in the defensive line room? And just kind of beyond that, do you think like NIL is kind of taken away the ability of guys to kind of like be patient and wait for their time? Oh yeah. The second part, the NIL thing, I mean, for sure. And that's been happening once they changed the transfer rules, you know, a few years back. But that, I mean, not to sound like an old person, because I wasn't really around for that generation as much, but there's not much loyalty anymore. You get you get some guys that are. Uh, like, you think of guys like Derek Hall and Colby Wood, and, like, those people, they did love Auburn, and they wanted to be here. But just in general, in mass, in college football, you don't get that as much anymore because, yeah, I mean, they make it easier for people to try to bump up their own status, which is fine. You want everybody to succeed, but yeah, at the same time, there's always a chance you can go somewhere better, somewhere that will give you more money or can promise more playing time or better facilities or whatever it might be. So, yeah, I mean, that's, he's an example of probably it's, yeah, it's hard to keep anybody, especially if you're not the top tier team. Um, forget the kid's name, but the tight end from Utah this past year, Dalton Kincaid, I think, you know, there are rumors about him getting offered seven figures to hit the portal, which is just unbelievable and props to him for turning it down. Yeah, it is. And so stuff like that, it's happening and you can't avoid it anymore. So might as well deal with it and move on. And, uh, you know, people say the portal giveth and the portal taketh away. Like we lose a guy like Jeffrey, but then we could pick up somebody else. And so, so you just got to look at it that way. Like, yeah, his, his, his leaving hurts. That's a guy that, you know, you feel like was an Auburn type kid and seemed to really enjoy it here and seemed to enjoy interacting with the fans. And I'm sure it's not all uh, extremely selfish reasons, but yeah, that, that hurts the, the room, especially if everybody in the room and the coaches were really trusting him to be 
more of an older presence and a, you know, a really solid, solid piece to that line. So that one's going to hurt, but I think a school like Auburn, you know, the trenches, the D line, we we're pretty good at refilling typically. So you would like to be able to see us come in pretty quick and fill in that gap pretty well. But yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, he's one you can't deny like him, him leaving the, in the portal. That one hurts. I, I, I agree with you completely Brooks. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you, we're going to let you go after this. I'm going to, we're going to test this theory at the end of the portal period. We're going to, we're about to find out if Brooks Walton is a wizard and, and I'm, I'm we're going to, we're going to find out. I'm, I, I, there's only one way to find out if you're spot on here, I'm going to make you play the lottery for me. Let's just go through real, real quick the positions that Auburn's going to need and they're going to be looking for for sure in, in the portal. Quarterback, wide receiver, defensive line, linebacker. There's there's four. I think they'll probably go grab another offensive lineman. I think that's probably in the picture. So there's five positions. Auburn's going to be going after and looking to reload at those, those five positions. So Q Freeze and company will pull in a total of blank transfers before this portal period ends, Brooks. All right. In 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 total or those five positions? In total. They have thirteen days. Give me give me five. Five? You like five even? I like five even. I like eight. That would be I, great. I'm not I'm not I'm not kidding. I, I, I think that it's a slow start. And then I think that there you'll once that first domino falls, and it's not just gonna be for Auburn. Once that first domino falls within within this this conference, a big name transfer falls it's going to be a mad dash to see who can get who and i think that it's going to be a little bit more quantity over quality right now but i i, I like somewhere to the effect effect of eight brooks thanks for, so much for joining us today and we're looking forward to talking with you again as many tuesdays as you're willing to come on for bruise days with brooks it's always a good time to talk ball with you so we're going to let you get out of here we're going to let dylan hit the little cut on the on our new platform we'll see if he if he if he can pause this we're, we're about to find out but um if not then we'll just do our little dancey dance. Brooks, thanks so much for joining us today, man. Always a pleasure. Uh, take care of yourself. Be good. And we will see you next week. Do you want to make a podcast? Well, Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money as well. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. And here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and literally everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it is totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, it's been so easy to get the show out to y'all. And I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to Spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Yes, a big thank you to our good friend and known football knower and analyst, Brooks Walton. Always a ton of fun having him on the show every Tuesday. Wish we could have him on more often. We probably could if we bullied him enough. Maybe we'll see if we can make that happen. For now, we're going to talk Auburn basketball, and we're, we're going to talk a little bit about some transfers out and, and the hot take presented by uh, Sir Charles Barkley himself. That's coming up here in just a moment. First and foremost, guys, Chance Westry has committed to continuing his collegiate basketball career at Syracuse. So that's a little bit of an interesting move. Syracuse kind of a down year last year. You would assume that if Westry can be healthy, that this is an instant impact. Dylan, tell me just just logic here. I mean, Syracuse fell in in, in chances. I think final final five or top ten in, in high school. Not a ton of surprise here, right? Oh, no, not at all. 
I mean, Syracuse is a big basketball brand. Uh, even so, I think the was the football team that plays in the basketball arena. Is that how yeah. Syracuse? Goes? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Continue. <laughs> but I mean, Syracuse. You said they had a down year. Uh, I mean, picking up Chance Westry is a big help into not having no down year, because Chance Westry, if he was to develop in the way that we all think he can, I think Syracuse is going to have a true star in the making right there. And you can't really blame him for going to Syracuse. Uh, I mean, same color scheme as Auburn, and particularly a funnier-looking mascot. Uh, go orange. Uh, they're very funny. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My fault. Yes! Daniel well, is watching his Boston That's Bruins in, in the background. I want to build off that real quick here, here, Dylan, about what you're talking about, about Syracuse being that historical basketball brand. I mean, if you think it's some names that come come through there, first one that comes to my mind is Carmelo Anthony. Um, and you, okay. and you look at look at the guys that that really dominated on the hardwood for Syracuse. And let's not forget Aiden Autry, named into na- named as Syracuse's new head basketball coach. This is a new era in New York in Syracuse, New York. Daniel, how how, how big of a, of a draw is that for for a kid that was recruited by a different coach while at Syracuse, and then is now going as at the beginning of a, of a new era? Is that is that some kind of like I guess flashy mark? I guess we're kind of living that for Auburn football, but from a basketball perspective, is that something that you can justify going and, and using your second year eligibility app? Sure. Um, first of all, I would just like to once again apologize for my out of character outburst. Uh, tonight is night one of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and my beloved Boston Bruins just scored. Um, <laughs> So I apologize once again. But, yes, that's huge. Um, it sort of reminds me of a little bit of, like, what Duke was doing a year ago. You know, yeah. like, obviously not as high profile as Duke's was. As, you know, they were losing one of the best, col- the best college basketball coach Thank of all you. time. Yes. Retiring. Mike Schreck, the best ever. Bayheim's <laughs> probably, I, I don't know, um, top insert somewhat low 10 number here sure yeah so still a very very good um historic coach and you're in transition um big big basketball brand um a lot of great nba players who have come through there so i definitely feel like it great or known for developing guards uh that's another thing the orange do really well um so i just kind of feel like it checks a lot of boxes that chance may have been looking for Plus, like with a new coach, it's an you know opportunity that, and even though it was an internal hire, it's still a new opportunity with a, a, a newish staff. I'm sure it'll be about half and half, and um, a relatively clean slate. Right. It, it makes perfect sense to me, and and I'm wishing Chance the best. I really am. I got no ill will, and I I really don't understand some of the people on Twitter that do. Like what? Why? Who cares? Like wishing the kid the best. It's just it just didn't work out at Auburn, and that that happens. And it feels like it happens at Auburn more than than it does at most places. That's not true. It's every fan base feels this way. Everyone's got those guys that what if he would have would have insert the name here athlete would have panned out. Auburn's got Jeremy Johnson. All right. There's there's a lot a lot of situations like that. The, even even the Austin Wileys. I mean, like look at his profile coming in. But <laughs> moving forward, let's talk about Charles Barkley mentioning and bringing up a conversation. And this is like only sort of relevant. And Daniel's got his hand up here. I'm, I'm gonna go first when you're done. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Absolutely. I'm just, I'm just gonna pitch this. I don't want to spend a ton of time on it. But Charles sure. Barkley said that it's time for Auburn to ditch Under Armour 
and move to Nike. Daniel said he wanted to go first, so I'm scared about what's going to happen here, but I'm watching. Uh, no need to be scared. In fact, uh, this is a conversation you and I had about a month or so ago, uh, give or take, where we were just talking about how bad some of the Auburn gear is. And then I, I covered the Auburn Vanderbilt basketball game on uh, February 18th, and I picked up this very, very awesome um, Nike long sleeve T-shirt. And yeah, you know, awesome. look at this design, you know. Just look at the font. Yeah, that's sweet. You know, this is great. This is great gear. No world, there is no world where Vanderbilt deserves to have better gear than Auburn. Okay? <laughs> Maybe the baseball world. Sure. Some of the crap, I said it, crap that Under Armour has put out is shameful. Have you all seen that, like, long sleeve basketball shooting shirt that's, like, a royal blue at the bottom and, like, gradient turns into a navy? Like, what is that? Yeah, it's pretty bad. That's something that a terrible AAU team would wear. And I will not apologize for saying that. Under Armour sucks. Yeah, I, I, I actually kind of want to build on it. Aside from the fact that the drip's bad, Dylan, the amount of people we've heard, and athletes at Auburn specifically, we've heard suffering injuries because their damn cleats aren't good. And, and, and I mean, that, that is a huge freaking problem, guys. I really, like, I understand, like, we all want good drip for your favorite team. I get it. I, I understand the design mock-ups, whatever. I could get past the average to below average designs. That just throw it out. I, I, that's I, that's not my argument. We've had so many kids, namely that damn 2021 baseball team, who who suffered so many injuries because of these cleats just not holding up. So many wide receivers get turf toe at an exponential level that we don't see at other schools. Why is this still a? a a, a, an organization that Auburn chooses to allow to endorse them when it's hurting their kids and ultimately hurting your, your programs. I, I know that it's, it, this, this sounds ridiculous, like a rant to go on here. Don't tell me if I'm crazy to hell with the, with the, the good looks and the drip or whatever. I just want our kids to not get hurt. Yeah, you're not wrong at all. Uh, I mean, we talk, you talk about players that have been complaining about it as of recent. I mean, it goes recently as today. Uh, friend of the program, Brielis even brought up, you'd be, you'd be furious as to, how many softball players have to wear a boot because of the gear they wear. And I mean, when you look at the two of the biggest players in Auburn athletics history are both Nike guys, Charles Barkley and Bo Jackson are two Nike athletes. And you think they'd have a little more leeway because of course they love Nike. Everyone loves the Nike gear you get. And Auburn remains as one of the 17 remaining FBS schools that have Under Armour still. And I think that they are the top school with it. I know Notre Dame's there. Notre uh, Dame. Is it Notre Dame? Notre Dame is 100%. Probably, yeah. okay. Yeah. UCLA would I mean, be up there. And UCLA is no longer no, – They're Jordan. Under Armour anymore. Oh, that's on me. They dropped up two years ago. Boston no, College no. dropped under armor. Uh, they're Like these smaller schools – I don't want to say UCLA is a smaller school, but like Boston College is a smaller school than Auburn, and they have the leeway to just drop under armor for their contracts up. Is Auburn going to wait until 2025? 2025. If I may here. Sure. Um, Boston College decided to go be an ambassador school for New Balance, and I feel like that's worked out great. Sure. So there's one brand that I would like to see Auburn potentially be an ambassador school for. Russell. Anyone who knows me knows that I enjoy my distance running. And every good distance runner, not that I'm good or fast, I just do it because it's a very, very nice thing to you know, get your mind off your busy week. I love, love, love on clouds. So 
if OnCloud comes down to the Plains and wants to be like, Auburn, be the first OnCloud school, I would be on board. You know, I think a lot of people would have your back there, except for maybe on the uh, the gridiron. And, um, and uh, yeah, that would probably not follow suit. But I love that concept. I also love the people that said, let's go let's go get Auburn as a Lululemon ambassador school. I'm not saying no. I'm just not saying no. Any, any, any whom. Dylan, it, I would say it's fair to mention uh, the track and field team doesn't have Under Armour gear. They, they, they don't – they wear Nike. Under Armour doesn't really? produce track and field. They don't produce the spike shoes. And they they don't, don't produce them at they all. They don't produce gymnastics, leotards. Huh. Talk about bizarre contracts at a top 20 uh, revenue-wise institution in, a, in freaking America. And, and you're an ambassador for an organization and a, and a corporation that has filed for bankruptcy twice? In the past half decade, we got to keep moving forward before I get too heated because this is just absolutely freaking ridiculous. <laughs> and, and I don't, I don't, I don't even understand why there's a conversation, guys. Let's let's keep moving forward with, with the rest of our rundown. Let's talk a little bit of baseball. Auburn dropped their series over, uh, against Alabama in Tuscaloosa, two to one. And to be completely honest with you guys, I was like kind of surprised Auburn didn't get swept. Just to be completely candid, uh, they certainly tried on Friday night, but <laughs> they tried their best to let Bama come back on Friday night, but. I didn't think Auburn played that bad. Specifically, I didn't think that Auburn pitched that poorly this weekend. Dylan, no. Daniel, you were on site. Let's let's see, let, let me hear your analysis real quick. Sure. Um, yeah, Friday night was a little bit of a fluke there at the end, almost to where the tying run came up to the plate. Um, that that was a head scratcher for me. Was for it a sure. fluke or was it just the Auburn bullpen? It was just the Auburn bullpen. Okay. Um, and then heading into Saturday. Saturday is the one that really kind of got away, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, oh, Auburn yeah. was there. They had a shot in the top of the ninth inning. Um, I was staying with my good friend, Will, uh, who um, is a sports writer, student sports writer for Alabama. So we were kind of texting back and forth during that game. And he was like, are, you, are y'all going to come back? Or like, what are y'all going to do? I was like, I don't know yet. Like, that's for the bullpen to decide. And that's for the bats to decide. And on Saturday, it was the bats that – Kind of, I'm not going to say let Auburn down, but it was the bats that didn't really get the job done. Uh, the pitching was fine. You yes. know, four runs, like, I feel like holding a team to four runs is about all you're going to be able to expect out of this pitching staff. That's incredible for this pitching staff. Yeah. Um, and when you're a team as four or five guys in the lineup who are hitting above 300, um, Four runs is not that tall of a task. No. Um, and sat- Sunday, that I yeah. love Christian Herberhals. I'm a big fan of him, and I'm a big believer in him. But when I found out that he was going to be starting on Sunday, I was kind of like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't even really do that bad. Not So, I don't know. Just a lot of things kind of went wrong that don't normally a lot of weird things happen. Um, Alabama shortstop Jim Jarvis stealing home when I forget who was on the mound for Auburn at that point. I want to say it was Zach Crotchfelt, but I'm not sure if that was, was right. right. I think it was Zach. Just kind of the, you know, just not throwing homes. It was like he was out of it. Yeah. Which I, you know, 
texted Will saying the highest level of baseball where I'm willing to accept the pitcher letting a run score because he wasn't paying attention is T-ball when there's no pitcher. <laughs> like that's just that that really got it, 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 to, to Zach Crossfield's credit though. I mean, I, there's just so many other things that could have gone different ways. And this is the first weekend, fellas, maybe in 2023 that I've looked and said, yeah, it really wasn't all the pitching's fault. And that inherently means that this is still the pitching's fault. <laughs> like I, I say that because in the one game where you don't post eight runs, yeah, you lose. Okay. I get it. I understand Like you hold, you hold Alabama to four runs and you expect your bats to be hot like that. Your bats have bailed you out so many times. You cannot turn around every single time and say, Hey guys, like we finally did it. I know you guys are really cold today, but like we need you right, right now. And I get it. I understand it's a team sport, both sides. I understand. If there's a little more consistency in this Auburn bullpen, this team is like a top five team in the SEC. Off, like, if, if you're just going off offense alone, if, if, if this, if this pitching rotation was even average, you'd be in good shape. All that to say, we'll, we'll, we'll continue our, our analysis on Auburn baseball as we come through the week. They've got a midweek matchup with Samford at Auburn, and at Plainsman Park, rather, this week um, as the show comes out tomorrow evening, or I guess this evening at 6 p.m. Central Time. And then they're headed to Mississippi to, to Starkville, Mississippi, to take on Mississippi State. We'll have a breakdown on that on the Thursday. Those are home games. What's up? Those are home games. They are absolutely home games, and I absolutely they were shaded in and gray because my mouse was hovering over it. My apologies. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me there, Daniel. Uh, I sincerely appreciate that because I would have totally just thought that these games were in Starkville. But the good news there is the Mississippi schools are really bad, guys. They are really, really bad. And you have to win these. Daniel, you, you go ahead. I mean, yeah, Mississippi State hasn't been great this year, especially compared to what they normally are, but they're starting to figure it out. Yeah, which is not great for Auburn in terms of timing. No, uh, definitely not. Uh, you wish you could have gotten them a couple weeks ago, but that's just not the way it works out. Um, so you're going into this with the normal mindset of, of okay, this is a tough SEC opponent. Um, this isn't a down week, quite the opposite. Sure. And just going down the stretch here, there's no more easy games. Um, None. Because the following week, you got to go up to South Carolina. And then the week after that, you've got LSU, the best baseball team in the country, coming to the Plains. Um, and then, you know, after that, uh, I believe Missouri, Ole Miss is in there. Missouri follows them up to end the regular season. And if you make it to Hoover, that's never easy. No. Absolutely not. And and if you look at this, the schedule breakdown uh, going 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 down the stretch, like you mentioned, there are glimmers of hope, but you think you need to win at least five conference games, right? That's what that's been our magic number, right? Is 10, 10 conference games to, yes. to, to solidify yourself to go to the postseason and, and to go to Hoover for that matter. I, I think Auburn will make Hoover. I, I do. Actually, yeah. I think that people are not going to realize how big that one win in Alabama was. That was that was a pretty damn big win. If you can steal at least one, maybe if you take two from Mississippi State, I think you're in great shape. Uh, you look at Ole Miss, if you can grab one there, if you can take one from South Carolina, you're in really good business. LSU has yet, check me, guys, fact check me, guys, LSU's yet to sweep an opponent. Of course, there's always the first. Don't get me wrong. But LSU has not swept an opponent this year, which is baffling. Like a, yeah. a, com a conference opponent, rather. Uh, but which is baffling because like they are head and shoulders better than everybody in the country. They, they should win the college world series. I don't know if they will, but they should, but this, this, this slate's tough. And then your midweeks, Troy and Samford twice. There is no freebie remaining. No. 
So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how Auburn baseball closes that one out. Dylan, you may or may not have gone into cardiac arrest on Sunday. Metaphorically, Dylan's fine, not literally, <laughs> over Auburn softball. Walk me through this weekend. I didn't get to watch much this weekend. I went back and looked at boxes, but I mean, you can only do some tell so much from a box store, right? You can't really tell the story of the game as much. Yeah. And a dramatic series win in a walk in walk off fashion on Sunday. Walk me through your weekend and and your emotional highs and lows, um, your emotional heavens and hells, and and, to, and talk to me about Auburn softball and why Maddie Pinta so good, and and how big of a win this was over LSU at home. I mean, it was a huge win. If you look at the uh, ranking, uh, LSU, the 13th ranked team in the country. And you look at it from... For a reason. From, for a reason. Uh, and they gave Auburn uh, trouble everywhere. Uh, Friday, you get the win, 5-3. to three. Saturday, they squeak by, winning 3-2. to two. And then, of course, you get the walk-off from Michaela Packer in Sunday's game. And uh, I about fell off my bed uh, watching it. Uh, I I was on the phone with my girlfriend. I was uh, freaking out. I was screaming. I was cheering. I was hollering. I was getting ready to do a lap around the house. Uh, y'all know my reactions. I was trying Were to get you it. Both hooting and hollering. Uh, I was uh wa- uh walk off uh celebrating. Oh, okay, uh, so hooting and hollering. Gotcha. Hooting and hollering. Uh, because Maddie Pinta is so her. Uh, and you could tell that because that's the two games Auburn won. Uh, oh. and. Show what uh, I have a contest idea for you. So let's just get a candid video of one of your softball celebrations and we'll compare one to a candid video of my uh, Bruins playoff goal celebrations and we'll see who goes crazier. And then we'll compare them to me watching Dylan push other people's buttons and watching me just uh, be as equally frustrated as the people who I know don't comprehend that this is all a bit. And we'll just see which one's the most entertaining. Continue, Dan, uh, Dylan. Yeah. And, uh, look at it from the Saturday. I mean, uh, Shelby pitched well, and she couldn't help the fact that two home runs went over the fence. So uh, you can't help that at all. Uh, Shelby Low quietly figuring things out, like in fine tuning as, as we come down the stretch, by the way. Yeah. And she came out and closed out the Sunday game as well. And she masterclass as well. Uh, Auburn's pitching staff is the best in the country, uh, one might say, at least in one sport, that is. <laughs> Are you getting ready to make the joke? I wasn't. I was going to say official Dylan Lark power rankings, but that was really funny. So carry on. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're still wondering if Maddie Pinto can pitch a baseball. Uh, still wondering to this day. People are asking. People are wondering. Uh, people we are, are hoping, people. actually. We are people. Uh, but yeah, Auburn is now going to go into, I think it was on Thursday. Is that right? No, Wednesday. Wednesday playing Jacksonville State for Bark in the Park. So go support your local Tigers with your little puppies. And they get to take on Alabama this weekend in the softball installment of the Iron Bowl. And after this weekend's softball series, we're going to do a breakdown next week. And we haven't even told Daniel this yet of the year long athletics Iron Bowl and woof. And what we'll do is we'll start with volleyball back in September and then we'll fade to black and then we'll watch Bruins playoff hockey. I'm, I might be missing an episode of the College Loop for first time in forever. <laughs> I, I can't deal with I can't deal with this conversation. It hurts. Well, we're having it. Whether or not you want to be here is up to you. But 
yeah, they'll they'll take on Alabama this uh, this weekend after Jacksonville State in the midweek, and we've preached it so many times. You cannot take these midweeks for granted. They've got to be wins, guys. You've got to win your non-cons. You have to, especially in the middle of a brutal, brutal conference slate. If nothing else, just serve for confidence, and and you've got to capitalize it. You want to try to run rule not just because you want to get in and get out and not make your pitchers throw more than they have to, but also just because you, you need to remind yourself that you can be a very, very good team. And this team's getting really hot at the right time. Don't get me wrong. Auburn softball sure. is right where they need to be. But you've got to keep yourself locked in and like <laughs> and, and, and remind yourself to not fall asleep during the midweeks. That being said, Dylan, I'm going to bump the, your last point to Thursday. I promise we'll get there. I'm going to bump that to Thursday so you guys have a little cliffhanger. Don't have another point. Shocker. We're going to start with Daniel. He's going to let everybody know where he can find you, find him, love him, and support him. And then we'll work our way around. Dylan's going to get us out of here. Hope you guys liked the new formatting. And Dylan, Daniel, go right ahead. Floor is yours. You can follow me on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke, where if you happen to be a Boston Bruins fan, I'll have plenty of uh, stuff for you to read. Um, you can find my written work at any Auburn student media outlet for the Opelika Observer, for Auburn Wire, anywhere that I just listed. There you go. Lots and lots of opportunities for Daniel Locke and to check out his content. I am Harrison Tarr, ad by Harrison Tarr on the Bird app. If you want to check out my written work, that is at the Auburn Daily, theauburndaily.com. More of my podcasting work available on the Auburn Daily Show every Wednesday with Dylan Lark, every Friday with the legendary Lindsey Crosby. And also, if you want to check out more of my content, it's right here on the College Loop. Dylan's going to tell you all about it. But before I throw it over to him, I want to remind you guys that if you enjoyed this concert, make sure you like, subscribe, ring the bell. Let us know in the comments. We talk with Brooks. What is your most important position, not named quarterback, for Auburn football to go get in, in the portal? And, and if you want to say 1A is quarterback and then 1B, whatever else, that's fine. If you guys have any takes about who Auburn needs to go to the portal, that's great. We want to hear them all. We will feature them on the show if we have good takes. We're very serious about that. So thank you guys so much for the love and support. By the way, this is growing at a crazy rate, and we're super, super excited for a lot of new stuff. Um, we just – I think we got interns now, so that's super, super cool. So we suckered some, some kids into thinking – I'm just kidding. We're very excited to have you on board. Uh, <laughs> so we're really excited for a lot of new stuff available uh, right here coming your way on the College Loop and specifically the College Loop YouTube channel. So make sure you like, subscribe, ring the bell. Dylan, it's all yours. Let's get out of here, my man. Yeah, it's a little weird. You throw it to me on the left. I got throw it to me on the – I know it's weird, right? Yeah, we're on the opposite side of each other now. But yeah, I'm Dylan Lark at your boy the tank on Twitter. If you're watching, it's just right there in a little smaller box here. Let me try to help you there, right there, where my finger's pointing. And if you're listening, it's at your boy the tank at Y A B O Y the tank. Also, catch me on the Auburn Daily Show every Monday with Lance Daw and, of course, Wednesday with Harris Tar. Go check out my yesterday's episode where me and Lance talked about the transfer portal and about why Auburn should switch to Nike. Uh, basically the same thing as today's episode. And, of course, follow the College Loop literally everywhere. That is Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, social media. You got us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. But sadly, no MySpace. Sad, I know. We'll try it. We're working on it. Believe me, that's what the interns are for. Tar's frozen. That's funny. I love that so much. <laughs> But yeah, of course, also go check out my written work on the AuburnDaily.com as well. And with all that being said, this is the College Loop Podcast.